Following the lectionary readings this week, the psalm are these words from Luke chapter 1, which I had to go back and check a couple of times because it's not in the psalms, but they're seen as a psalm of Zechariah. And Zechariah is probably of all the, maybe it's just me, but of all those uh, Christmas characters, I don't even think there was a chocolate bar named after him this morning. He kind of hides in there, uh, father of John. And we don't maybe give him the attention that we need to give him until he comes up in the lectionary some particular year. But Zechariah is giving us some incredible information here about what we're seeing in this Advent season of which we have now two candles lit. Zechariah is singing a psalm right on the fulcrum of history. And he's the one who's almost like the border crossing that we are going through from this Old Testament promise, the horn of salvation that the prophets and the patriarchs talked and thought about, right into the presence of it happening in Jesus. I could go into how Luke's gospel, and here's one for homework because we'll not look at it today, but Luke's gospel, if you remember back a few years, for those of us who were in Fitzroy at the time we read through the New Testament in Lent, and we read it chronologically. Do you remember how eye-opening it was to read the Acts of the Apostles straight after we read Luke? And to see that the, the, the gospel according to Luke just moved into that which could be the gospel of the Holy Spirit. Well, Luke, in these early chapters, mentions the Holy Spirit a few times. The angel comes to Mary, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed with a loud cry. And right here, Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke this prophecy. And you know how important the Holy Spirit was as we go through into the Acts of the Apostles. Here it is in this place that Zechariah is dwelling in. Zechariah orientates us in this part of history. The border crossing between the old and the new. Thus he has shown the mercy promised to our ancestors and has remembered his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our ancestor Abraham to grant us that we, being rescued from the hands of our enemies, might serve him without fear and holiness and righteousness before him all our days. Zechariah is in this psalm linking that history of the people of God with the events that he is living in and has been living in the silence of for a few months at this stage. So he orientates us into this borderland that we're going through, this checkpoint, customs, if you will, from the old into the new. He also reveals who the author is and what the author of this song of salvation is like. We've just read, thus he has shown the mercy promised. A few verses later, by the tender mercy of our God, the dawn from on high will break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. God is a God of tender mercy. Roz prayed it as the elders met before the service, needing that tender mercy in a week such as this, where many of us have gone through grief. This is a God who cares about us in tender ways, in merciful ways. 
This is the God who has taken the promise through in that Old Testament narrative to bring us to this border crossing. So the psalm of Zechariah orientates us, gives us something of the character of the God who is making these things come about. And then, then he tells us where we're heading out of this border checkpoint. By the tender mercy of our God, the dawn from on high will break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet, where? Into the way of peace. Peace. Another theme in Luke's gospel. Chapter 2.14. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Chapter 2.29. Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you have now dismissed your servant in peace. As Simeon sees the long ago promise, the horn of salvation. Chapter 7 and 50. Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Chapter 19 and 38. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. A few verses further on. He, and, and he said, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace. But now it is hidden from your eyes as Jesus comes in to Jerusalem and weeps over that city. And while they were still talking about this, chapter 24 and 36... After that road to a mess, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. That way of peace is twofold. Zechariah is talking about a societal peace. There is no question that he's talking about the peace of the nation and the world. But I don't think it's contrived or hermeneutical gymnastics to see it as our own personal peace as well. Indeed, I think that Zechariah's psalm suggests to us that the resources for societal peace is in that peace that God gives to us in this baby Jesus who will be our Redeemer. In finding the peace of God within ourselves, we can be then those who become peacemakers at a societal level. And of course, why do we need peace? We need peace because we need rescued from the hands of our enemies that we might serve him without fear and holiness and righteousness before him all our days. Fear is the great obstacle to everything that is good. What IS is aiming to do, fear, the fear across the Western world, that's what is the most important thing for IS, that we would be frightened. It's fear that the Protestant coalition had with their little tiny protest yesterday. The Protestant coalition standing in front of City Hall to say, refugees not in their name, we don't want refugees, charity starts at home. The Protestant coalition that on Friday morning in Talkback said, You see, to bring Jesus into discussions about refugees is just wrong. Perhaps to take Jesus out of discussions when you name yourself Protestant might be more an error. But there we go. But they have fear. They have a fear. They have a fear of difference. They have a fear of other people that they don't know. 
They have a fear of what that will do to our communities. It's what our politicians struggle with on the hill. When they're courageous or they're thinking they could be courageous to say something, they're frightened of what their constituency might say if they say that something. It's what our churches struggle with all the time, a fear of getting it wrong. The great altar of always being right can be a real fear to taking some risks and making ourselves as vulnerable as the baby in straw in our mission. Fear is what blocks most of our efforts to bring God's kingdom. And I stand in front of you and confess to you that you, in many times, frighten me when I go to think about where we might go. I am frightened of your reaction. I am frightened that some of you might leave. I am frightened that you might not understand. I stand as someone in front of you who desperately needs the peace that Zachariah sings about in this psalm and his song. We need peace in our own inner being because that peace connects us to the tender mercy of God who gives us that peace and then asks us to fearlessly step outside our conservative comfort, as Ken talked about this week, both at the Thanksgiving service and at the funeral. That we need to have a peace within us, within ourselves, that comes from the love of God, that will allow us to get out of our cozy conservatism and do the crazy, risky things that Father Jerry Reynolds did doesn't take much, and some of the commentators took me to the very verses from uh, the prophecy of Joel that were read at Father Jerry's funeral. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, as Zechariah is proving the point just here. Your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. Even the male and female slaves in those days, I will pour out my spirit, Joel says, and look is very much in the knowledge of that and the understanding that this is the place where the Spirit has been poured out. And those were the verses that described Father Jerry. I've said already, his feet firmly planted in the clouds, not actually fearing the earthly response that he might get, even as we joked this week on those judgment decisions that he made that were just wrong. He still had no fear. He still had a peace to go ahead. Ken called him the radiator installer. He said that where Ken or where uh, Father Alec Reed was the one who brought those two bits of wire together to ignite the light into the peace talks, Father Jerry just went around installing radiators into every cold and chilly and frosty situation that he would go into. He would just go in and give that heat and warmth that changed relationships. When he told me some of the places that his unity pilgrims were going, I told him to wise up and go somewhere where he might melt the ice. But he just kept installing radiators, going back, going back, no matter what the response he was able to look above the present to see a future. And though that future couldn't come in his time, did it come in Martin Luther King's time? 
Did it come in Moses' time? Though it couldn't come in his time, he still looked for it. And he still reached for it to try and bring some of it into the presence of his life because he had this peace. The tender mercy of God was so dwelling within him that he had a peace that was free of fear. The Beatitudes that he read in that documentary, 14 Days. If you haven't seen 14 Days, go on YouTube, find out how to use YouTube just so that you can see the documentary about Father Alec Reed and those moments when Ken and Father Jerry bring us to the scriptures near the end of it. He was just able to risk because comfortable conservatism wasn't part of the deal for him because he had no fear. He came in peace. He was a peacemaker. The biggest challenge of his this week in Clonard was when Ken at the funeral said, and people tell me that we'll never see another like him. And then Ken said, but I'm looking out at all of you. We can all be like him. He was just human like we were human. He had the same sinfulness and feelings that we have. I imagine he had the same doubts that we had. But he took hold of this tender mercy and this promise that Zechariah talks about and this Jesus that was coming in Advent. And he allowed the love of that Jesus to take away his fears so that he would get out every day and just go to the people that he felt needed a radiator. I can do it. I can do it. I can do it. And each one of us can do it. If we believe this stuff that Zachariah is singing about. If we believe that this borderland happened. If we believe in this Jesus that was born. If we believe in this tender mercy that can bring us peace. If we believe that that peace can saturate our lives no matter what we're going through so that we can be those who can share that peace. We all can do it. We all can do it. If we believe in what Zechariah sang a psalm about. Let's pray. Lord, these are incredible moments that we're reading about in Advent. It's not a time when we light candles and somehow put up trees or do carol services or sing special songs or somehow remember a a lovely baby in straw. But this is a moment when history changed. This is a moment when we can be changed. When something happened that can transform our lives, deep down within our lives, can be different because of these words. So again, we pray, as we were thinking last week, that we will use Advent the way we use Lent, and that we will take time to ponder, that we will take time to reflect, take time to meditate over these truths. And then we will allow them to sink in to the very core of our hearts and souls, right down to the very marrow of who we are. And that this God who fills the galaxy, 
who wrote this incredible song of salvation through the Old Testament. And now in Zechariah begins to write songs of new things would have an impact in the midst of our struggles and doubts and feelings and stresses and distractions, inferiority complexes, insecurities. Lord, by your Holy Spirit, interrupt our lives with your peace. A peace that says we are unconditionally welcomed, unconditionally loved, that we cannot be loved any more than by the tender mercy of your grace that is available to us right at this moment, right here and now. Lord, may that seep beneath all the stuff that keeps it out so that when we find this way of peace, we will become peacemakers. So that when we find this grace in its abundance, we will be grace sharers. So that as God has loved us, we would love. May it be so, Lord. Amen.